It's a simple story, a story as old as time. A kingpin meets a daredevil. And what do they make? They make beautiful enemies for life. But in some cases, enemies become friends. They become frenemies. Sometimes your frenemies end up becoming you. I don't know how it works, but some stories manage to find a way. We're jumping into Daredevil 2099 today on the Second Print Comics Podcast. I'm Remzo Martinez bringing you the marvelous, mighty Mr. Mark Claire. Mark, you're leaving Mexico? Oh, I'm saying that as a statement and as a question. Can we still call you Mexican Mark? I'm Ron Burgundy. Uh, you can always call me Mexican Mark, yes, because I'm always I'm always going to be half Mexican. You know, I, I married in, and so I, think I don't think that's how, how that works. That's <laughs> uh, how it works in my house. So yeah, I'm half Mexican, so you can always call me Mexican Mark. But yeah, we are uh, moving on to the the land of the sunshine and the alligators. We'll be in Florida this time next week. You'll well, be Florida actually, man, while and since we're in the podcast time war, but by the time anyone listens to this who's not a patron since of course all our patrons get all our episodes early over at patreon.com slash second print pod. Do you like how I work in the natural plugs? So smooth. Regular folks will be able to, will hear this at, at just as I have set foot on the ground. So you'll be Florida man, Mark. And I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this. It costs a lot of money to move. Normally it costs even more money to do us immigration and it costs a lot of money to do us immigration followed by an international move. That is all a long way of saying, if you want to support us and the work we do, please, we really would appreciate heading over to patreoncom slash second print pod. When you cannot only support your favorite podcast, who's doing not just one, but now two shows a week. We just had an incredible interview with Eric July on the launch of the Ripperverse that dropped last Friday. Be sure to go back and check that one out. Uh, but if you appreciate the work we do, and want to see it continue, the best thing to do is to head over to that Patreon and help us out there. And of course, in exchange, we don't just beg and plead for your money. We get you all sorts of extra content. Not just do you get every single episode, including including those newsroom episodes early. You also get all sorts of bonus content. Remzo versus the MCU. You've got What Mark Missed, A Case of the Runs, the new show I've been doing. Uh, there, And I just finished up because I love you guys. And because I love you, Remzo, and didn't make you do it with me, I just finished Miss Marvel recaps. I just finished the finale. I'm clapping. I don't know if people can hear that. I'm clapping because I wasn't going to do that. That's all that matters. I found my limit. You want to give me a teaser? Was it, was it worth the watch? Like, is this, is this mandatory MCU viewing? Well, I don't want to give anything away. And if you want something given away, you can go listen. You can watch a show or you can go listen to my recap. So I will just say there is something that happens in the last episode that is extremely pertinent to the future of the MCU. And I will leave it at that because I don't want to cause spoilers. In fact, most of you probably know know it because I'm sure there's, you know, any of you that follows comic book social media, I'm sure it's going to be getting headlines. Oh, that's spoiler. Such. Yeah, that's spoiler I saw this morning. And I was like, thank God I didn't have to watch it. I just had to wait. Okay, well, I'm not even going to acknowledge if we're talking about the same spoiler or not. Because there are there were a couple big things in the show. Um, I will just say, not as bad as many thought it would be. and But also... Well, you should just go listen to my recaps, but I, I, I wasn't um, as thrilled with it as it ended as I was in the beginning. I liked the kind of the vibe in the beginning. And then yeah, let's just say that that good those good vibes faded a lot more towards the end and then got a little interesting in the finale. So that's my that's my 30 second summary, which you can hear in expanded form by listening to all my Miss Marvel recaps over on the Patreon. I think that's enough plug in for me. That's a that's enough plug in for the whole show. I think yeah. we can go ahead and jump into things. Let's Mark. What is your familiarity with the Marvel 2099 line of comics? I think if I understand your shifting comic book, dark period timeline, you should have been there as a young collector at the beginning of this, but you could have also potentially missed 
a good chunk of its run. I believe you are uh, pretty accurate here. I remember the, the launch of the 2099 when I think it was in the early 90s. I, I wanna, I'm going to guess 93, 94, something, something like that. Something along that, yeah. And uh, I, the two books that I know, I know I had Spider-Man 2099, number one. I'm not sure if I how many more episodes of that I have. Episodes, issues, this will never end. Uh, I also, the one that I really got into, and maybe this is because I'm a Fantastic Four fan or whatever, but I, I stuck with this for a while, was Doom 2099. Doom was And one awesome. of these days I'm going to insert that into the schedule because it's, it's one of those books where I know I read it. I know I liked it when I was 13, and I'm very curious how it holds up now. Did I like it because I liked it or did I like it because it was good? These are all, you know, my 14 year old taste is a little different than it is now uh, at at when you flip 14 around. That's what I am. Yeah. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I I'm I'm kind of the same way. I started collecting Spider-Man 2099 a few years after it had actually stopped. I think it ended. I'm probably wrong. I think it probably ended in 98 because I remember I was able to start collecting the whole thing by 2001. That was when I was old enough to start buying my own comic books. But um, I, I've always I, I've always loved this whole era. It's not a I think some for some for some listeners, especially for like MCU only stands, um, they tend to think that when it comes to the 2099 verse, which has been hinted at in some you know shape or form, especially if they saw into the Spider Verse, um, the upcoming sequels will uh, introduce us to Miguel O'Hara, played by Oscar Isaacson, who um, is <laughs> you love Oscar. calling him. Is that who's playing him? Uh, yeah, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, soccer. You yeah. love adding the son on there. You don't want to let him just be I, Isaac. I, he must son, be the son, son of Isaac. Isaac. Yeah, so son of Isaac will be playing Miguel O'Hara, the Spider-Man from 2099. 2099 is not so that'll, that'll make three comic book roles. He's done. He's getting the, the trifecta. Like so Apocalypse, yeah. Moon Knight. He's getting the one non-Egyptian comic book role. But at least he could say he was a Spider-Man. Is he Egyptian in real life? He's uh, just making things no, up. no, no. He's well, well. I mean, Apocalypse was Egyptian, and technically, and, Moon Knight oh, well, is an Egyptian hero, despite not being is, yeah. yeah, despite not being Egyptian, he's basically adopted by by that. I'm just gonna pretend. Or, or, uh, I'm a, I'm gonna pretend his name is Isaacson, and B, I'm gonna pretend he's Egyptian for now. I will call him Isaacson by accident for the dawn of time. Um, no, he's uh, he's Peruvian. I think he's Peruvian. Oh, none of those things. Well, there's a joke about him where, you know, uh, he, he walks in and people can't tell whether he's a, he's a priest, an imam, or a rabbi because he could play all of those roles if he wanted to. One minute he's a Mexican drug lord, the next minute he's Timothy Chamelay's daddy. I get wait, what, what? Did that happened. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that too. Yeah, no, that was a good one. I, I love the new Dune, by the way. I absolutely love it. On rewatch, it holds up even more. And now that I'm reading the book, it, I, it, it stuck with me that it's actually very, very true to the book. Which is a nice bonus. I mean, great, great cast. But Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac, Oscar Isaac is going to be great as Miguel O'Hara. The twenty ninety nine line of comics is not in the multiverse. It's not in another planet. It is in a. It is in the future of the Marvel timeline. Sometimes it changes based off big events that happen in the the current marvel 616 verse but everything always leads there there's always an alchemex there's always going to be a miguel o'hara of some sort and we've seen other series pop out we had 2099 x-men we had 2099 um punisher which is probably my favorite the 2099 punisher is crazy just think of punisher in the future and it's awesome 2099 ghost rider i actually had a complete run 
of Ravager 2099. Now, Ravager was a completely... Ravage. Ravage. Just like, you love adding letters and words and sounds onto things. Sun and Ur. Ravage. I, I, actually, I actually have a few of those as well in my collection, because fuck, it's Stan Lee. I mean, ba- back in Patreon, not, not to plug it again, but back in Patreon, uh, people can go back about a year ago. I actually did like my immediate reaction to that series. It is like a 80s action film in print. Is that the last regular book that Stanley wrote, like regular series? I know he's written little, he wrote little things here and there, but I, I mean, well, it's also debated how much involvement he really had in that. It was no, good. It got names kind of, on it. It got kind of weird. I actually gave it away. I gave the, I gave the, the runaway to a friend's kid who was way more into it than I was. I was like, this is a bit too all over the place for me. You can enjoy it now. The first ten issues were great, but with all that said. Um, Marvel 2099 has always been something I've loved. They have come at back with it uh, sporadically. I think right now they're doing 2099 Spider-Man or Spider-Man 2099 Alpha, which is part of some type of like mini series or something. Um, Paul in the... Is it, so is 2099 supposed to always be the future of the current 616 then? Is that the idea? Yes. So as things change in this current 616, there can be changes to the future. But the 2099 Marvel is the definitive Marvel in the future. No matter At what they do. At some point, it's going to be 2099. What's going to happen then? What's going to happen gonna in 70 ha- years? They're, they're going to have to figure they're something out. They're going to rename them all Marvel. Like, now this is just Marvel now. Well, how, how are you going to explain Peter Parker in 2099? Yeah, you're not. You're, you're not. It's going to... Don't worry. They will reboot. They will rewipe. We will do a... a we'll bring in Jonathan Hickman uh, the third to, uh, to, to give us some blueprints of a new universe. And they With will J.J. Abrams' son. Yeah, I mean this does this does really speak to like the appeal of I think uh, not to not that he needs our promotion anymore. Again, go check out the interview with Eric July from last Friday. Uh, but the appeal of the Ripperverse is that not only is it look I'm I'm sucked into the idea of a number one, especially by a creator I I've enjoyed in his other other works. So of course I was going to check out the first issue and order that again Ripperverse.com. But to me, starting not only number one, but Eric's commitment to continuity, to things mattering, to not to, he's like he you know he's made. A promise like you're not going to see events that just later get wiped out by some time travel or some multiversal thing like everything you see in those comics are going to matter and that is just something that is so lost now i mean we'll get more into this issue maybe on on one of our newsroom episodes but i you know i just read batman number 125 by chip sadarsky stop right here if you don't want that issue spoiled I'm going to spoil something. Or maybe I shouldn't. Should I? Do you not want to be spoiled? I, I, I was. You tell me. You tell me whether to spoil I'm, it. I'm, I was going to go ahead and actually just get a 12-issue print subscription. So tell me right now whether or not I should save my money. I like the issue. That, 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 I, I did like the issue. Okay, I won't spoil this thing. Let's just say something happens. All right, let's move to a different subject. Let's say when a character dies in general, you assume. no. Like The point is, even Alfred's death. Like, like Robin I, I was actually, something? No, no, I, I'm I'm not going to go any further here. I'm just going to say because uh, I want you. It's a good. Uh, it's a good issue. I, I liked it. So Do I, I want spend my money or not? It. Yeah, I, I, would, okay. I would. I would. I would check it out. I like. I liked it. It's. It's. I'm going to continue reading it for some time. I think. Okay, I'm that's give an it endorsement. Check. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I liked enough to spend money money again on it. That's about as good as endorsement as you can get. I might have my issues with it, but I'm going to wait till you actually get it until we discuss it. Maybe that'll be our book of the month discussion. We'll at the end of the month. Mm. If you, I will uh, run. I will run to the store tomorrow and grab my copy i've loved batman for so long that if you give me writer i like plus batman kind of restart i'm gonna check it out pretty much every time that being said when a character dies like when alfred died for example that had impact i think that was actually somewhat well done if he had to die um but we all know 
through hooker through crook at some point alfred's gonna come back and we're not gonna know why he's gonna his body's gonna be regrown or the multiverse is gonna change or something like that and you're gonna have alfred again all right like we everyone knows that probably i, I mean i'd be if, if, if intent i will eat my words if in 10 if years you don't know that we've got a whole bunch of shit for you yes uh so the point is because of that like major events in comics that should be a big deal that should make you go holy shit and even that they do in the moment you realize like all right if this is Marvel DC, this is going to re- get reversed at some point. This isn't going to matter. In 30 years, this thing I just saw isn't going to matter. And that, that, again, this is a long Everything way of saying. Everything you love will die. That's what I love about the code of ethics of the Ripperverse. That they're, they're committed to, like, we are not going to just wipe this shit out. You're not going to read a story and then in five years realize the story didn't happen or the story didn't matter or anything like that. That's all. Anyway, I don't know what this has to do with 2099. Eric, if you're listening to this, we would, we would love some of your millions to talk about you on every episode of the show just putting it out there that can be arranged but but yeah i mean oh, that, we do take sponsors so yes do. let's see what what i think i can kind of do to bring this all together is the fact that 2099 is the only thing that marvel says is always definitive whether they're going to change a few things not even the present not even the current time like that that could that's they, the, that they, changes they have day. like a they have like you know a 70 year insurance at this point that 2099 will still be okay because maybe they don't think they'll be publishing comics but what, what I like about this is that they routinely bring it back. Um, they've done a couple of limited series. They have had um, Spider-Man 2099. They gave them an ongoing series, which was really cool a couple of years ago. But then they, they usually just bring back one shots. They had a Punisher one shot and a Venom one shot and a Ghost Rider 2099 one shot a year ago that were pretty cool. Um, this one came about about a decade ago. No, probably more than a decade ago at this point, probably like in, in the late like around 2005, 2006, because people just keep loving this shit. It's just really good. And it's always a great way to reimagine what characters will be like in a far flung part of the Marvel universe. And um, with, with this, it's kind of a what if, but it's also them saying that, listen, they're, they exist, they're real they're going to matter at some point. They don't go into these characters without really thinking how it's going to impact the others because all the 2099 books and characters interact with each other just like in the regular Marvel comics. So if that said, we're getting into Daredevil 2099, probably one of the most one of the most contentious 2099 titles because this one really freaked out a lot of 2099 fans when it came out. I already have a question. Yes. I haven't even gotten past the cover. Here's my question. <laughs> what is Marvel Knights 2099? That's how this is branded. So Marvel Knights was an era of Marvel where they wanted to put out mature comics. The Marvel Knights line was essentially them saying that if you pick up these books, these are not books appropriate for children. Eventually, the Marvel Knights titles would be phased out. And they would be changed to uh, just the regular series, but with a mature reading label. Um, that was the bane of my existence as a person under the age of 16 trying to buy comic books at the time. Eventually, they would get rid of it. But the idea was was that you could have a corner of the Marvel line of comics that could be purely for adults, but the stories could still impact the, the main 
you know, stories. So, so it's kind of like a, a, this might be a grittier story than normal label, but it's, it doesn't change the universe or anything like that. It, it all matters. A lot of, uh, a lot of the updated, everything matters. A lot of the updated origins and incarnations of characters we love started as Marvel Knights only titles. So Jessica Jones, um, Luke Cage, uh, there was a daredevil reboot. I think Bendis was on that. The Bendis run of daredevil is what inspired a lot of the daredevil, um, stories to come that that was very big and it started as a marvel knights title that's how um that's what introduced echo that's what gave bullseye his scar on his head i mean that that's what really did a number there was also a really cool uh spider-man marvel knights run that was that was pretty awesome and um the the punisher marvel uh, marvel knights punisher also um gave us a lot of what we saw in uh daredevil season two on netflix in which frank goes to prison so um a, a lot of good stuff came out of this era funny you bring that up because uh my wife and i are just are doing a uh a daredevil rewatch and we just finished the first season and i will just say I think it's amazing because I really thought it, for, in my mind it was like two years ago, but this first season at this point was like five eight or years six ago. years ago, eight years ago. I Holy watched that shit. in 2014 in my college dorm. Oh my God. That is insane. I was a that's, sophomore. Uh, that's wild. So yeah, it, but it, it really holds up and it, it is just, it, I, after seeing it through the second time and we're going to watch the next two seasons, uh, I can definitely say this is one of the best comic act adaptations, if not the best ever, certainly for the small screen, maybe the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, when when Caleb Franz and I were going over all the Disney Plus shows, everything always came back to comparing it to Daredevil, even Moon Knight. Moon Knight came closer in terms of the Disney Plus era, but Moon Knight still couldn't hold water to to that first couple seasons of Daredevil. It was fantastic. And speaking of everything mattering, I'm not sure if you've seen this, like Disney has put out some stuff on like Disney Plus or imagery showing like the Daredevil and Defenders related characters with I don't remember the exact phrase. It's something like everything it all matters. matters. Something like that. Yeah, they've taken it from DC. Something like it all matters. So I guess, which is satisfying to me because even if it's, even if it's the same people playing the characters, I still, I want to, I want that to have happened because it's so good that I, I want to incorporate that into my head canon universe, which it seems like they're going to let me do except for I, I could do without ever remembering Iron Fist. Happened. We don't talk about that, Iron Fist. And I know they're not bringing that because it is universally panned and that actor is not coming back. Neither is Luke Cage, which is upsetting because I, I really, I really enjoyed his performance. But my brother met uh, Michael Coulter at AwesomeCon in 2019, and straight up asked him, "Are you coming back or not?" And I shit you not, he looked at my brother and said, "Dude, I'm trying." <laughs> oh, oh, poor guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's writing he letters. Loved, at, he loved that role, and so I think he was a great. About it? I thought he was a great Luke Cage. Yeah, me too. Fantastic. But nonetheless, we're not talking about daredevil 2013 we're talking about daredevil 2099 so take it away so daredevil 2099 the first page goes ahead and gives you a bit of a recap we gotta we we gotta stop i'm gonna make a habit of this because i want to make sure we do it we gotta we gotta give the credits before we dive in Give the credits to those in the credits and to this one it's it's actually quite significant because look who's here look who's here familiar name one of my favorite writers kirkman mr robert kirkman pencilers carl moline moline and mike perkins should we go as far as the inker? Fuck it. Inker, fuck it. Rick McGuire, fuck it. Colors, Nick Bell, fuck it. The letterer, David Sharp. That's as far as I'm going to go. You don't want to mention Tom Brevert and Joe Quesada? Well, about Dan nah, Buckley. When we, get, when we get into editors, <laughs> I think we've gone, we've gone too far. But uh, yeah, those guys. And, uh, but I was so pleasantly surprised and, uh, to see Robert Kirkman's name here. Um, uh, any book that I see that I might be about as soon as I see his name on it, I'm going to give it a chance because I know he's going to go somewhere interesting with it. Probably, maybe. 
And this one, he certainly does. The first page goes ahead and gives you a quick recap of not the whole chain of events that led to um, that that led to 2099 happening, because there's a lot of stuff happening. In fact, I think it's Spider-Man 2099. The first couple pages actually gives you a full recap of everything that ha- all the major events that shaped the 2099 universe. But this one basically is that at some point. In the Marvel timeline, the government's going to bring back the Mutant Registration Act, which means the Sentinels come back, and they're not just going after mutants, they're going after everybody. They went after Spider-Man, they went after the Fantastic Four, the Avengers. Eventually, they just eradicate all heroes. And what that does is that sets the stage for, I I think they call it the, the dark era of New York or something, where basically things turn into, for a lack of better terms, Batman Beyond's Gotham City. Think of that, but New York and Marvel. So things and are not great. Yeah, it's, it's like a futuristic Neo-Tokyo Blade Runner type of vibe. And this takes place not at the, let's say timeline-wise, this takes place right before Spider-Man 2099. Okay, I think we can put it right there. But we go ahead and we turn over to New York and we see this guy bald dudes, you know, sipping on some coffee, just, you know. I thought this is Professor X at first. He, he looks <laughs> like, kind of wow, like he's him. Alive? Because he's he's a new character, so you don't really know who he is, but he looks familiar, and he's supposed to look familiar. You think Professor X, that's funny, because they kill Professor X, but that's a whole other thing. Spoiler alert! Future spoiler alert! Uh, yeah, future spoiler alert from a comic that came out a while ago based off a line of comics that came out a while, while ago. I was, uh, yeah. Before 9-11. If it happened before 9-11, it's not a spoiler. But this guy is just, you know, in his uh, luxury vehicle. He's sipping on some coffee. And the the monologues here are important. I know I don't want to go ahead and often read the whole monologues, but I'm going to read the monologues here. In the end, he won. And that's what I was always told. My grandfather, a man I never met, and the costume crime fighter Daredevil were locked in some sort of battle of wits, some poetic chess match. But in the end, my grandma, my grandfather won. And he's listening to a police dispatch radio. So you're like, who is this guy? You know, nice car, sipping on coffee, wearing a suit in the middle of, you know, maybe Hell's Kitchen. I think we can assume Hell's Kitchen. And um, he gets back to his monologue, that's nothing, not worth my time. My grandfather personally ended the life of a heroic man with whom he had been at odds with for nearly two decades. It's something that defined my father's life, knowing his father had achieved such greatness. I can't count how many times he told me the story. I won't bore you with the details. But this is when it starts getting really weird. He basically tells you that his great-grandfather was that that his uh, was a great yeah his 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 grandfather was wilson fisk the kingpin so not only does that's where i recognize that bald head from that bald beautiful head not only is he the grandson of the kingpin but for all intents and purposes we can pretty much assume that he's still in the family business so why is he talking so you know poetically about the fact that his grandfather wasn't that great of a man. Why is he not talking about Daredevil as if his grandfather would talk about Daredevil, his arch rival and everything else? Well, he goes full freaking Batman or Iron Man, depending on how you like this scene. It's just out of here. Yeah. Uh, basically, his, like, I don't know, let's call it a Lexus. His Lexus goes ahead and it's basically like a mobile battle 
headquarters or something. I mean, it's just it's just wild because he presses a button and next you know the seat leans back and it starts assembling like this Iron Man type suit. And out of nowhere, the roof of the car like lifts off and shoots him out like a rocket. And who do we see? He's freaking daredevil dun, dun, dun. just right there they don't they don't do a lot to tee it up Twist they tell you in one. the first couple pages you know who he is you know where he's at did you expect the 2099 daredevil to be the grandson of wilson fisk the kingpin uh only because i had read it on, on the internet before i read the book <laughs> but otherwise Pretend. i would not have, but otherwise i would not have expected that um I, I i tried to imagine if i didn't know this going in and I, like you would kind of think this might have this could have easily just been the setup for the villain coming first um and so it's, it's interesting how they set this up but then you're like well he's he seems to be against what fix used to do and then before you know it you're like wait a minute boom and he's not just like you said he is like he's like iron man if they repackage him to look like daredevil because he just shoots and fires away in this full body armor and he may as well be tony stark here yeah and and what's crazier is that you know you're wondering it's like how can he be daredevil if he doesn't have daredevil powers well he makes up for that with all of the tech i mean it's a it it might be a daredevil suit but it is a hardcore high-tech daredevil suit is there an iron man 2099 too no does that exist okay probably because that would be redundant because this is this is kind of that both Stark Industries gets bought out by Alchemex, oh, no. which bought out Horizon Labs and Oscorp. Where's Roxxon fit in all this? They got Roxxon too. I think they do. I think they basically become the Blackstone and the Blackrock and Vanguard of the Marvel Universe. They're like the corporate government at the end, right? Don't they? Aren't they like the corporation, but they're also kind of like the government? Yeah, like they run the police. They run the hospitals. They have right, their own the private Sentinels. cities. Yeah, fun times. I used to like private cities, but now I don't know. I'm not so now I don't know anymore. Uh, Especially if you've got guys like this running around where you can't tell whether they're hero or villain. For now, we think hero, but we know he comes from a line of villainy. Um, We were talking about his powers earlier. How can he be Daredevil without Daredevil powers? Well, he he goes ahead and gives a rundown of, you know, what it's like being Daredevil. The suit allows him to run fast. It gives him super agility. Basically, for all of his physical inabilities to be a costume crime fighter, the suit makes up for that. And, and it's like you see him running around, but you can also see kind of like this uh, th- this trail of smoke behind him. It's because he has like little mini jet propulsion that's like throwing him across these buildings. It's, it's really cool. It's high-tech Daredevil. And he's responding um, to a scene of some type of crime in the middle of an alleyway. So he jumps down. He, he looks scary as hell. And next thing you know, what he sees is that these guys guys are mugging this innocent woman so this guy pulls out a freaking uh machine gun and he's like come on man like it's time to die you know some stupid crony type thing and you're looking at this guy and you're just like daredevil fisk whatever whoever you are how would you get out of this well he's got his little billy club in a in a side component that opens up like a freaking Iron Man missile. Instead, it's just the Billy Club. He tosses it out, try and hit the guy, but he's slow because guns are faster than Billy Clubs. So we just see him get like, you know, lobbed in the chest with round after round. But of course, he's high tech. It's bulletproof. So he just starts like pulling out these two guns. And this is very, very not Punisher, not Daredevil like. It's more Punisher like. He pulls out guns and starts like mowing them down. It's it's hilarious because he's got like the little goggles that goes ahead and does the auto targeting. It's scary. I was confused at what happened with the Billy Club because at first they missed with the Billy Club, but then it seems like 
it served another purpose. Like it did. I, would, maybe you can clear that up for me because it's kind of because he throws the Billy Club. He says he missed it. The Billy Club basically is there to show that the Billy Club is useless. And he actually talks about being embarrassed how with all his tech and everything, he couldn't throw it right, which is why he has the guns. So guns are greater than Billy Clubs. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, eventually he saves the woman. He leaves. The cops come. We can tell that Fisk Daredevil is actually a good guy. Um, the next scene, we go ahead and we go to the Fisk family mansion. You see a giant statue of the giant man himself, the kingpin. And, um, uh, you know, Fisk Daredevil pulls up. And this is when we go ahead and learn that his name is Samuel Fisk. So Samuel walks in and his wife is like, where have you been? And he's just like, ah, I've been working late. I've had things to do. You know, I, it couldn't be helped. It couldn't be helped. So the wife, who's obviously like pissed and drinking and stuff like that, um, you know, she's mad because he's not spending any time with her. He's not spending any time with their son, Sebastian. And, um, you know, he's just trying to walk away. You know, he's done daredevil shit by night and Fisk shit by day. So of course he doesn't want to be bothered by this woman who obviously is not grateful for the giant mansion. She should be more grateful. So yeah, this is when we start getting the, I liked the show before the misogyny comments. (laughs) Um, but the, the whole thing continues and, uh, Fisk is like quiet. You'll wake Sebastian. And this is when we get a little bit more insight into what's going on in this guy's life through the force exposition. Oh, you're afraid we'll wake our son. The last time you'd seen him, maybe you said two words to him. Um, that's more than he's gotten out of you the last three months. So in basically fairness, he's probably an annoying little brat with the name Sebastian. I mean, just come on. There's a, there's no way a kid named Sebastian is just not a brat. I don't think it's possible. Give me a Mike. Never Give me a Steve. Give me a Dave. I can I can roll with those kids. Sebastian. Even Wilson has more you know redeeming qualities uh-huh, to yeah. it. He probably got picked on as a kid with that name. The original probably, Fisk probably explains a lot. Why he be- which is why he became the kingpin of crime. Um, but um, Samuel is just like, listen, I've been busy. He understands, and she's just like, he's nine years old. He needs his father. He needs guidance. And he's like, I ha- it's something I have to do, Elaine. So what we basically know is that um, you know something, so- something is up. So- something is just not working out. Which is this marriage, and the marriage is only stressed because Elaine, who should probably know that if you marry a Fisk, they're going to be involved in crime. Uh, she doesn't want her husband to basically be the kingpin. She probably knows he's the kingpin, but it's more like, you know, kingpin don't show, kingpin don't tell. She's like, you're going to make a widow out of me. You're going back and doing crime lord shit, aren't you? So that just doesn't work out. She gets mad, yells a little bit, grabs her coat and everything, and she runs out. She's like, I'm leaving, you selfish pig. I'm leaving. I love And he's like, what are you doing? I do love the line here, though. It's kind of funny. She says, oh, don't worry. Maybe you're about to get this. She's like, I don't have a Darkhawk costume tucked into my purse. (laughs) Sweet Darkhawk reference. Have we seen a Darkhawk 2099 yet? No, that would be awesome, though. So we can't tell whether she's talking about him being the kingpin or if she's talking about him being Daredevil. It's one or the other. And it's trying to really set up those stakes of who is Samuel Fisk. What is really going on with this guy? Did you have something to add? Well, no, I'll get to it later. (laughs) There's things I want to say, but I, I feel like I have to wait to say them. So continue. Well, he has to wait. 
and he has to wait to continue because the next day we go ahead and see him through an average day of uh, being a corporate CEO or whatever the Fisk Corporation does. They seem to be involved in everything. He's in a meeting after a meeting after a meeting, and the whole time he's in this meeting, he's just thinking of going out and doing Daredevil shit. So later at night, he goes out, and he's just... I, I gotta say, the artwork here is fantastic. It's Daredevil like you haven't seen him before. This is some of the best Daredevil action movement type of stuff I, I think I've seen. So I really like it. Uh, at night, he's going around and he's, um, uh, you know, he's, he's talking about how his company helps run the Sentinel program and all this other stuff. So, you know, like for all the good things he might do at night, he's still involved in some pretty evil shit. Uh, so now he's running around on rooftops trying to find where his wife Elaine is. And what's Elaine doing? Oh, he goes across the street and looks in through the window across from him of this motel. And who does he see there? He sees his wife fucking some other dude the worst part of this i mean he follows her and he obviously already suspected she was cheating or what have you especially look she's running out at two in the morning where the hell is she going running out at two in the morning first of all uh but the worst part of all this remzo this guy she's making out with two earrings in the left ear so early look, and i'm not against anybody that has earrings i'm not against anybody but if my wife is cheating on with me on someone and i find out it's that guy i'm like really Come on, get me. His name is probably his name Sebastian. Is probably Sebastian. Be like, get, get her a mic. Get her a Steve. <laughs> yeah. He's just one man bun away from disaster. But but this is where... Um, is that Gamble from the <laughs> episode? He looks just, looks just like him, too. Gamble 2099. That's the Hashtag for. bring back Gamble. Um, the next page is just uh, entirely artwork in which we're zooming in on his face. And he's just, he just looks really mad as page. hell, but slowly he's starting to calm down. So you're starting to wonder, it's like, is he going to go ape shit? Like, what's he going to do? He can go and kill them both. Instead, he's just like, ah, I need something to hit. So he runs around, and what does he find? He finds a sentinel, and the sentinel is like, "You're not authorized to be in this alley. In this alley, identify yourself." And he's just ignoring this thing, and he's just like, "Ah, you'll do." So now we have high tech, high tech Daredevil fighting a sentinel. Mark, I don't know about you. I don't even think regular Daredevil could fight a sentinel. Definitely not regular Daredevil. Um, are, these sentinels are not like the super tall sentinels we're used to, right? They're these not are like, like Robocop sentinels. They're like just a little bigger than than regular people, it seems. Yeah, which makes sense if you need them patrolling all the streets. You know, you got it. That's a it's a lot of hardware to make them all sixty feet tall. I yeah, guess. which which gets even a, a little a little ridiculous because I had to look back at this. I had to really wonder. It's like, is he going up against a real full fledged sentinel or you know like minor sentinels? But he basically starts like it's like a street cop sentinel. You know, yeah, he basically is able to with with his high tech suit beat the shit and take apart these sentinels. And he does a pretty good job at it because when he punches one, like shit's flying. The thing is though, they're his sentinels. So even as he's destroying this thing, he's, he's saying like, I'm going to have a bit of a repair bill here. My own, or, or is he talking about his own seat for that? Maybe. Yeah. He, he's like, I'm probably, I'm probably costing the city millions. These things aren't cheap. I, oh, yeah, I'll right. probably got to have to, uh, I'm probably gonna have a bit of a repair bill myself, but people start like wandering around, like wandering around him, like watching Daredevil d- destroy the Sentinel, and other Sentinels eventually turn up, but they're not, you know, they're not the OG Sentinels. So they're a bit slower because they're cheaper because government yeah. contracts, right? So uh, Fisk Daredevil. They're like the stormtroopers of sentinels. <laughs> they're they're fairly easily disposed of. Yeah, they they can't they can't hit. They always miss, and they're kind of easily beaten. 
So we see uh, Fisk's Daredevil uses like little jetpack boots to like fly off and then quickly get around. And um, at this point, you know, uh, he's gotten out of the costume. He's going to this bar and everyone walks in and it, it's like a futuristic mafia bar. It's a uh, it's it's a little annoying when they when you get into this kind of trope. But we're, we're there. It's a mafia bar. I don't need to explain more of it. But he's basically meeting this guy and he's asking for information regarding the guy who is banging his wife. And he's just like, I, I just want to, I just want more information. So he's talking to this dude and he's just like, hey man, don't dwell on it. Like sh- she's just a woman. And he's like, no, I want to, I want to deal with this. So what ends up happening is he ends up getting the information he needs. He, um, uh, uh, ends up going back to the tower, and by the time he gets there, he goes up the elevator into his office, and what do his goons have? His goons have the dude, we'll call him Gamble, or Sebastian with two earrings, and they have just completely beaten the shit out of the guy that was having an affair with Fisk's wife. So, at this point, you know, he, we get more of a monologue from him. He's like, all my, all the sorrow in my life. I must redeem myself for all the pain and sorrow my family has brought into the world. I must redeem myself for all the pain and sorrow I continue to bring to this world. Somehow, putting on the costume, risking my life every night, it makes all of this feel right. But I've got two legacies to continue. So, he comes over, walks behind Sebastian gamble whatever we call him and they're like uh you know this is him mr fisk and he pulls out a freaking like desert eagle and he's just like it's just kingpin uh, and he's already so he's already so beaten up like this guy has been had the shit beat out of him poor poor little sebastian well they didn't call him mr fisk this is the first time they actually call him mr kingpin yes and then as he pulls out the gun he's like it's just kingpin no mister and he executes the guy and the issue ends basically saying for him to continue to be daredevil he has to be the kingpin, but for him to be the kingpin, he has to redeem himself by being Daredevil. So it's a it's a fucked up thing, but the fact that it ends on this cliffhanger of him just basically saying like this is this ain't this ain't a regular life, but it's my life, and then killing the guy and it ending there, that's all you need to know that this is not your daddy's Daredevil. So that, that's what I was going to say earlier that I, I, I thought it was a little bit of a maybe an unintentional spoiler when you said in the beginning that he was the kingpin and he was because it's not actually clear until this point that he is still in crime. It's it's actually mm-hmm. not to me in the because I, in the beginning I thought, oh, because, you, you know, he's rich, obviously. So you figure he inherited uh, the, the kingpin's money or whatever. But now he's talking about how he has this conscious and he found out about that his great grandfather killed this daredevil and it was and he's trying to atone for it. So you think, OK, he's been using his riches to, you know, to get richer. But he's also has this this thing on him about his grandfather killing daredevil and wanting to recreate that legacy. Um, but we never really it's never really clear. And I didn't, never even realized until this reveal at the end that he was still not just the kingpin by name, but he's the motherfucking kingpin by action. He is still a crime lord. He is still running this city as brutally as Wilson Fisk did. And and to me that that really that really was a shocking ending to me because I, I had I had actually not even thought of that. Obviously it it you realize it when you when I start to realize it when you hear him say, you know, did you find him? Did you get him? And you're like, wait a minute, what's going on here? But yeah, and it, it's interesting because there there's I was kind of like in the middle about this story. I was like, all right, it's kind of in the future. It's interesting. He's kind of like a Tony Stark, but a daredevil making up. And I was like, this is an interesting setup, but I'm not 
captivated. But the last two pages turned that around and, and pulled. And, and I, I was waiting for something too. I was like, you know, this is Robert Kirkman. There's got to be an interesting twist. And there was an interesting twist. So I, I, I will say it's interesting to how they laid it out. Uh, I think they made it seem like you could have, you could have told yourself either one. You could have been more like you that like assumes he's still like involved in crime, or you could have been more like me that was leaning towards, well, maybe he's reformed himself. And then in the end, you realized like, no, he, th- these guys beat the shit out of this guy and he's going to shoot him in the head. This is not a hero. At least not in the traditional sense. Uh, it is. It, it's. And it's maybe it's like a dichotomy thing. And now I don't know what if this leads to another series. I don't know how much they've used this nope. character. So has this been explored? No. That this nope. is it. Which is such a crying shame because I was like, if you have potential, like big, big story, big money potential, this is good because the only time I can really think of you know, a a hero who is a hero by night, but a villain by day, the closest thing to that would be the green Hornet. Because for those of you that know your old school comic heroes, the green Hornet was a hero, but he made himself intentionally seem like a crime Lord in order to strike fear in other criminals. So he never killed anybody. He never like dealt drugs, stuff like that, but he always made other criminals think he was capable of doing that. And the media made him appear like a villain because that's what he wanted. So the the Green Hornet was never a hero by his own world standards. He was seen as a villain, but he only did heroic stuff. This is different. This is he is a pure villain by day and he is a pure, you know, hero by night. There's never been a series really like this, and I can't really call him an anti-hero, even though he would probably be. And there still isn't, apparently. So they never, you say they never took this character and, and did anything with it? No, which is a crying shame, because like we've got, we've had other stories, like, you know, Venom had a whole run between Lethal Protect, uh, between when he was first appeared and when the Lethal Protector era, which basically turned him into a hero. I had that miniseries, the Lethal Protector miniseries. Yeah, th- yeah. then we had we'll like uh, uh, in, uh, infamous Iron Man in which Doctor Doom became Iron Man. But those are all examples of, of villains turning away from villainy to become heroes. This is somebody who has very firmly decided this is my one life and this is my other life and they can... They can coexist. This is him basically saying, this is my, this is one part of my life. This is another part of my life. They coexist and I'm perfectly okay with that. Again, I guess that's why it's, it's somewhat upsetting to hear that this wasn't further explored because I like, I like it conceptually and uh, we'll get into our scores in a minute. But at first I was kind of like, you know, do I care about this daredevil? Like, I don't know. It may, I kind of need more of a premise than that. Just he's, feels guilty about his, uh, you know, his grandfather killing Daredevil. Like, it doesn't seem like much of a setup, but I'll see where it goes. But that twist at the end made me think, okay, there's some real potential to explore this character here and the different sides of, of the character and how he sees morality and and why he thinks it's, you know, why he sees it virtuous to stop someone, a woman from being assaulted and robbed, but, you know, but totally fine and within his code of ethics or whatever he tells himself is his code of ethics to just kill this guy for cheat for, you know, fucking his wife, a uh, little double dear Sebastian. So I, it's, it's something I'd like to see explored. Um, so yeah, it's too, I mean, does the character appear anywhere else? Is this just like a one and done? I don't think so. This is basically a one and done type of situation. Well, maybe it was a trial and for whatever reason they Marvel didn't like it, but uh, yeah, well, I guess I can't say much more because I love, <laughs> I can't, we, we can't say where this goes. There's just untapped potential here. Yeah, I say we just go ahead and jump into the scores. You want to go first? I think you should go first. I I like the artwork. I think the artwork is good, like really good. You know, 
Daredevil, everyone kind of just has this idea that he's just like running around doing ninja shit on rooftops. I actually see more of this angle where it's like, you know, you've got the tech and everything and it's really like amplifying how he moves and stuff like that. Even down to the costume and everything. I think it looks really good. And it's hard to look at this because, especially in the face of a lot of characters, you sometimes it kind of blurs behind a mask you know that this is not matt murdoch and when you start to understand this is the kingpin's grandson you start to really accept that this is another man wearing the daredevil suit there's something up with this i think the art was great i wish there was a little bit more action uh but that's what we get from a one shot it's a one and done deal in this case i'm gonna give the artwork a 3.5 the story however the story, however, really only picks up in those last couple pages. Um, if this was the first issue of an ongoing series, I might be a little bit more um, forgiving of it. But it, it it kept my attention. It just you, you kind of just wonder. There's a lot of wondering. I can't always tell whether that's a good wonder or a bad wonder. I'm gonna go ahead and give the story a three, just because this is a great premise, had a lot of potential. You know, to take basically a merging of two characters daredevil and the kingpin into this new character and then have this whole dichotomy move in it hasn't been done before and i'm really pissed that they didn't go forward with it i'm gonna go ahead and give the story a 3.5 for a total score of a seven well 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 that's very interesting and uh this is one where i will we'll start with the art where i think we're gonna be a little bit farther apart here um, kind of like we were last week, actually. So maybe this is a, a burgeoning storyline in, in SBC where, where we have different art opinions. But I, I actively dislike this art. I, I will just say I held my lip earlier because I wanted to save it for, for the scores. I do not. I straight up don't like this art. I, I, I can't even exactly say why. It seems a little messy to me at times, and it just doesn't seem smooth or as slick as I like to see. And at the same time, doesn't really have the grittiness about it that I would want from like a, a street level sort of daredevil Marvel Knights, if you will, type story. So, I mean, look, I, I'm never going to grade art. I think I'm like you, like, look, I can't draw a stick figure. So I'm never going to grade art in extremely harshly unless it's actively bad. And I wouldn't call this actively bad, but it, I, I cannot give it more than what I would guess you would have to call an average art score of 2.5, which to me is, is about as high as I can go. Cause I, I really didn't like this art. Um, then with the story, we're probably pretty close on the story. I like, I kind of didn't like, I, I think if it didn't have Robert Kirkman's name on it, I probably would have been bored with this halfway through and, and like given up on it because it wasn't that it wasn't really pulling me in that much. It's only cause all right. Well, a, I have to read this for the podcast. B uh, I, I know Robert Kirkman's here. So there's probably something interesting about this that I'm missing. And there was, but still the fact that there was that, that twist in the last couple pages, and when you realize he really is the still the brutal kingpin, I like that a lot. But it's not quite enough to lift this as, a, like you said, as a one shot. If you're gonna make this a one shot and you're not planning on doing a series with this character, I don't know why you'd even do this. I don't know. I'm not sure because I think this would be a great issue number one, and then I it would I would see enough there to say, okay, I might pick up the number two and kind of see where see where this goes. But as just a one shot to introduce this character, I mean, it's interesting, but it leaves, it's, you, I feel like you have to be ready to answer these questions if you're going to propose them. And they've proposed a lot of questions with this character and apparently had no plan. To, I don't know if there was a plan, the plan changed or who, who knows, maybe Kirk, maybe this is right before Kirkman left to do his own stuff. But I think they were still working together even once he went independent. So I, I don't know. I don't know why this, why this exists, but no follow-up exists. Um, has he really not appeared in anything else, you know? I mean, I, who I'm knows? like 99% sure. I think, 99, I mean, huh? there have been, there have been a series and yeah, 29% there, sure. There have been, there, there have been a few like here and there, 2099 limited series and stuff that were just kind of published and ignored. 
And it's kind of weird. It's in this era of Marvel putting out books that Marvel actively didn't even promote. And I think that's one of the reasons why this failed, because when this came out, nobody talked about it. Marvel didn't even really talk about it. It's like they felt contractually obligated for some reason to put this out. Then they did. Then they kind of left it there. It's kind of like, have you ever heard of the Monkey King? I feel like you brought this up before once. The Monkey King was another Bendis book, I think. It came up as a, um, I think it was a Fear Itself tie-in. Because Fear Itself had, through Marvel, had like a bunch of one-shots and limited series. Fear Itself had a Fear Itself the Monkey King one-shot, which is available on Marvel Unlimited. It was supposed to bring about you know new characters, so they went ahead and gave the Monkey King a full origin and everything within the Marvel Universe, and they were saying that he was going to appear in a lot of other stuff, and then the book came out and they hated him, so they never touched it again. So then you're just like, I wasted money on this tie-in one-shot that isn't really a tie-in and was supposed to be something else. It just, it just wasn't. It just wasn't there. So then Marvel tried everything they could to um, to make people forget about it. Luckily, they had another monkey-themed hero at the time, Hit Monkey. Ah, uh, I think and I was confusing with Hit tra- Monkey. That's what it was. Yeah, they tried to replace Hit Monkey, which is a show I still have not seen on Hulu. I need to see that. I think if it was a must-see, I would have already. Someone would have already told me I should see. Yeah, it. nobody really talks about it. Just like, Moda. but that someone might have been you. So I, that who should have told me. So Maybe. I don't know. Um, but anyway, to my final score anyway, uh, to, to circle back to it, uh, I, I, I'm going to give this a three. Um, and frankly, it's only a three because of the twist at the end that brought it up a half a point. It's, it's, it's fine. It's average. The twist makes me want to see more, but the fact that there's no more to read, it's like, well, I don't know what else to say. So I'll give it an extra half a point for the twist, but that's as far as I can really go with this. So, uh, between the 2.5 and the 3.5, this gets a 5.5 from me, Remzo. This is another gap here. It's not as big as the gap last week. I think we were like two and a two, two and a half that away was, from each that other. Was pretty. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that would be, so 5.5 and seven would be 13 and a half, 13 and a half. That's uh, you can call that a Sunday read. And I, I would put this in the Sunday read, you know, give it a shot category for 24 pages. You, you get a, you get a good amount of stuff with yeah, it. I mean, it, it's like I said, it's an interesting setup to a series that never existed. So it's like, yeah, just like the Cape on NBC. I have no idea what that is. Oh man, you're in for some weird shit. Am I? Why? Why, why do you think I'm going to watch this? <laughs> if it's, I don't need to, I don't need to see a first episode of something. You're not going to watch this. I'm going to, I'm going to send, I'm going to send you the tray. I'm going to send you the trailer for the Cape. It came out in 2009 and you're going to look at this and you're going to be like, this actually existed. And then you're going to, th- then you're going to want to watch it. And then you might actually get through like the first two minutes and then you're going to be like, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm glad this died. It's just one episode. It was three episodes. Okay. Well, I did two more than Robert Kirkman did of this. So, oh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. that I think about wraps it up for this week's regular SPC. But don't forget, we always have the newsroom now on Fridays. So you can wrap up your week hearing us talk even more about the latest news and such in the comic world or whatever it may be. It's kind of just a, a whatever we're going to talk about that week. Um, Remzo, do you know what we have in the newsroom this week? We'll be reviewing Thor Love and Thunder. Hopefully you've seen it by now. It's, it, I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. We'll save our thoughts for the episode because we want people to tune into the newsroom. Or, or again, for as little as five bucks a month, you can head over to patreon.com slash secondprintpod where you can hear my non-spoiler instant thoughts that I literally recorded moments after I saw the film. Um, but until then, we will be giving a very spoiler, very, very spoiler, all the spoiler-filled reviews Every on this spoiler. week's Newsweek. Well, folks, remember, if there's one thing you can do, it's simple, it's free, and it fills your heart with joy. 
Unless you're in the 299 universe, then you might be, might, might not be as joyful. Remember, read comics and change the world. And leave reviews for five stars. Thank you very much. Good night, America. Adios. Adios.